0: What's up, everybody? It's uh, Wednesday, the 12th of July, 2017, and this is the promotional malpractice live chat here on MMAfighting.com. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm the host of this program. Uh, We'll go for about 90 minutes today here on the uh, podcast talking about, what else? The Mayweather-McGregor press conference from yesterday, all of the various issues in between plus there is some mma news there's of course bellator 181 on friday which i mean nobody is talking about then there is um ufc glasgow on sunday that's actually got some stuff worthy of mention on it so we can get to that and of course uh gigard musasi going to bellator that's a big deal as well so any of those things plus mayweather with mcgregor all of it is up for grabs uh the best place to do it of course is going to be on mmafighting.com where this window is embedded Um, and, uh, yeah, I took my dog to the uh, vet today. Barbus got his teeth cleaned. They don't look money, but they look better. So that's something, right? Um, okay. So normally what I do is normally I start this uh, a little bit. And also I'm in the third floor of my, well, the second floor of my house. Um, I have a basement too, so I guess the second floor of my house, but I've got skylights, which are sort when you build windows into the roof, and so it is. I turned the AC on here a little too late, so it is hot up here. It's a solid eighty degrees in this room, so I might sweat like uh, vintage Patrick Ewing up in here in the garden. Please forgive me. Things off here. Soon enough. Uh, Normally, I start with the first question, but I've been answering this a lot today. I tweeted about it. I didn't think it was very controversial, but here we are. I want to just start things off. I'm not saying this is in any way the most important issue. It's not. Frankly, it should not be that big of a discussion point, but it's on the top of my head, and I want to sort of get it off so we can get to the rest of these issues. Uh, This issue about Conor McGregor saying uh, at the press conference yesterday, dance boy. Now, of course, he changed it later, I think, to son or whatever. And I didn't think much of it at the time. I still don't think much of it. I don't think it's that big a deal um, for the most part. And the TMZ put out an article this morning by um, well, whoever, and they talked to Floyd Sr. about it. And they asked Floyd, did you think it was racist? And Floyd was like, no, I don't think it's racist. And I agree with Floyd. I don't think it's racist. I do not think Conor McGregor is racist. Uh, I know he has said some things in the past that have been antagonistic. But I do not believe that there is sufficient evidence to conclude, nor do I have any inclination that he is a racist individual. Uh, I don't I don't I don't believe that. Um, However, my only point was you have to understand where you're at and who you're talking to. Um, This is not Europe. This is not Ireland. You are in America and you are talking to an African-American. A white guy, I don't care where you're from, you are not exempt from the rules, calling a black guy boy, it's a little dicey. Um, you should just avoid it if you can. Um, I know he didn't mean anything by it, and I, I realized he corrected himself pretty quickly. Um, and I think that's the end of it. So my whole argument was, someone's like, do you think it's racist? No, I don't think it's racist. But, you know, be careful. This is not, this is not what we're, and I realize he calls that to everyone else. I get that. I get that in the UK it means, and in Ireland, and, and maybe the rest of Europe, English speaking, the English speaking world. I don't know how it is in New Zealand, but I realize it doesn't mean the same things there as it does here. But here it has a very specific history. It, it is a term that has been used by white supremacists to talk to African Americans in not merely a, a merely a demeaning way, but in a power structure way. Um, you don't do it here unless you really want to have a problem, and. And what's interesting to me has been the blowback from this from uh, McGregor's uh, supporters, and I think the Irish generally, who uh, who well, i've seen I've seen a lot of different responses. And some of the responses have been, uh, you know, here it's not considered that way at all, but you're probably right. just in, in the interest of precaution, you know, why go there, which I think is a t- totally reasonable take. And I think if you don't understand American dynamics, Also being like, I don't understand what this is all about. I think it's a fair response, too. There's a lot of things I don't understand about any number of intricacies about Irish life or French life or Malaysian life or Canadian life. There's a lot of nuances that I don't get. Um, I think it's a fine response, too. The one response, the one response that I don't like is that there have been some people who have said, this is ridiculous. This is, you know, we don't have these problems in, uh, I think I saw some that was from Northern Ireland. We don't have these problems in Ireland. You don't have those problems in Northern Ireland because you live in a homogenous racial society. Ireland is 97% white. You don't have racial tension because you don't have races. It's 1% black and 1.7 or 2% whatever uh, Asian. That's it. Guys, (laughs) come on, please. Please. You know The notion that, I mean, if you're an American and you've traveled at all to Europe, and I've been all over Europe, I've been very, very lucky. My family grew up in Europe for a time. Um, My sister lived in France, and and, uh, my brother lived in London, and I've been all over. I've been very lucky. There's an argument you'll hear about Americans when you go, which is Americans are some clueless donks when it comes to Europe, whether it's Europe generally or individual countries specifically or even cities themselves. And here's the uncomfortable truth about that they're right. They're right. Like we, not all of us, of course, but a lot of us uh, could do a lot better about understanding not really the history of Europe, but Europe as it stands today about why things are the way they are and what the differences are between them and why they matter. Um, A lot of Americans are, in fact, quite clueless about these things. When, When Europeans say it, it's uncomfortable and I don't like it. And again, I want to group all Europeans in this particular case, but you hear it all the time. It's not like the French and the Germans don't say it. They do. So do the English. So do the Irish. They all say it because it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Here is the problem. This situation illuminates that there is also a portion of, in this particular case, either the Northern Irish or the Irish, who have, pardon me, no fucking clue how America works. And you don't get to tell us, and you especially don't get to tell African-Americans how they deserve to be talked to. You do not get to tell African-Americans how they deserve to be treated. You are in no position to dictate what is or isn't appropriate here. And to say something like, well, we don't have racial tension, bro. You live in a 97% white country. Any country that is racially homogenous doesn't have those problems. That doesn't mean you're racially enlightened. Those are two completely different things. So look. Do I presume to understand some Irish issues related to the relationship to the British historically, to the Northern Irish, between Protestants and Catholics? I don't. I would keep my mouth shut and I would ask them to tell me what are some of the, the uh, trappings here and some of the issues that I don't really understand. And I would listen. I highly encourage you to do the same. No, I do not think Conor McGregor is racist. And no, I do not think he meant it in a racist way. But this is America. And, and here, a white guy calling a black guy, boy, that can be a problem. Not every time. I don't think in this case it's a problem. Mm, you should be careful about that. You, you don't get to tell us that that's not a problem. It is a problem. And I really, really would caution you to have a strong look in the mirror about all the things you lecture us about, which you are right. You might have some of your own issues. Do not lecture us about what is appropriate here and how we talk and how we're trying to be sensitive to the needs of African Americans. Not your place. Not now, not tomorrow, probably not ever. And I will listen to your various particular issues related to Ireland and the North and UK and Northern Ireland because I don't have I don't have enough place to dictate to you how you think you should be treated. So we can all agree that McGregor didn't do anything wrong, but I, I am really strongly encouraging you do not tell African-Americans how they deserve to be talked to and what is, and isn't appropriate here, especially when you come from a place where 1% of your country has people of a, uh, a black skin complexion. Sorry, gang. This is not a battle you can win. I, I highly recommend you don't try. With that out of the way, all right, first question. <laughs> UFC 213 feels like forever ago. Amanda's sinusitis situation and a potential forfeit clause. Look, what are your thoughts on Amanda refusing to fight due to sinusitis? It's been a hotly debated issue, and I was wondering how you feel about it. It is a valid excuse. Excuse me. Is it? A valid excuse to turn down the fight last minute, even though Amanda was cleared. Also, how would you feel about a potential quote unquote forfeit clause, which I believe Chil Sonnen had floated, which would mean that if a fighter refuses to fight even after being cleared, they forfeit the bout. Let's start with the last one first and work backwards, shall we? I am not in favor of a forfeit clause. I, I think that's a big problem. And the reason why, I wouldn't lose my sound. Did I lose my sound? No, thank God. Um The reason why I would say that is because if you have a forfeit clause, you are going to force um, financially challenged fighters into compromised medical situations that can severely exacerbate existing problems. Right? So one of the issues now is that fighters who really need to fight, they will just lie to the doctors about any ailments they have to get a medical clearance. Right, which also leads back to the question of medical clearance itself. What is the value if guys could just lie about, you know, you had Luke Rockle be like, I was on antibiotics and I had staph infection and I still fought. And guys are like, I had you know influenza and I still fought. Well, if these are some ailments you have, how good is this the test that is supposed to stop you in getting there? You know, I mean, you cleared it. All right, well, what does that mean? Now that's a slightly different situation than Amanda's, which I'll address in just a second. But the point being is You don't want guys who, let's say, have a cracked rib to then compete because if you have a cracked rib and you can just suck it up and maybe you take some kind of drug to, um, you know, get through the pain because you get paid on fight night, even if it causes problems down the road, um, you are going to exacerbate potentially very serious medical conditions. I mean, part of the way this works is that we prevent people with injuries. We prevent people with certain ailments from ever competing because the, the, the issue, as you well know, is you're going to get hurt doing this. This is the hurt business. So, you know, some injury, of course, is impossible to stop. But the reason why in the UFC, they haven't had a serious death or injury, uh, uh, or s- sorry, a death or serious injury, I should say, like a paralyzation or something worse or, you know, a punctured lung or something like that is because they screen a lot of that out ahead of time. And if someone is financially destitute and has to take a bout, uh, otherwise they lose it and it goes on their record and they probably don't get paid as a consequence, um, that would be a big problem for me. Plus, do you really want guys winning titles that way? I just feel like you are encouraging guys or ladies, whoever, to take contests that they're not in a position to medically accept. Now, this question of clearance, I mean, look, I, I don't know anything about sinusitis. I don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you've had it. Maybe some of you watching are medical professionals. Maybe you know better than me. I don't really have a strong opinion about sinusitis. I've never suffered from it. I barely have allergies. I don't know. On the one hand, I looked up symptoms and some of them are, you know, completely mild stuffy nose, you know, headache or something, which is not the end of the world. On the other end, you hear people saying, no, it can be so bad that you can get dizziness, that you can get, um, you know, nausea, that you can get, I mean, all kinds of things that are, um, uh, you know, make it impossible to fight. You know, if you're dizzy, you shouldn't be fighting. And you could say, well, look, she was medically cleared, right? What does medical clearance mean? They tested her for dehydration. They did some blood work. They looked over her physically and they couldn't necessarily find anything. Then the next day she goes and she gets uh, a doctor to prescribe antibiotics for whatever the hell was going on here you can be cleared and also be on antibiotics at the same time then what is the value of being cleared the clearance is a very very minor test it's uh, you know it, it might vary to some extent on state to state but fighters lie their way through it all the time when they are just trying to get through meaning all kinds of ailments can pass it's not a, a, a very significant battery of tests or examinations so It all comes down to this. Was Amanda suffering from minor symptoms and didn't want to risk it? Was she suffering from major symptoms and really couldn't compete? Ultimately, you're going to make a choice that you have to make. I don't really know the answer to that. My hunch, though, is that somebody as tough as her who retired Ronda Rousey, who retired... Uh, Misha Tate, who fought Katsangano and beat Sarah McMahon who beat before. I have a very hard time believing that, number one, she was malingering. And number two, I have a very hard because she didn't get paid. And number two, I just have a very, very hard time believing that it was insignificant enough where she couldn't have fought with it. I, 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 I suspect that it was bad enough where, you know, she, not merely that she didn't like her chances, because that's one thing, but um, that she couldn't really compete at a recognizable level. And it's unfortunate that it happened that way, and it sucks, but um, I don't know what to say. But at the end of the day, I have no ability to judge her ailments, and I don't know what the answer is. So because we can't be inside of her brain and feel what she's feeling, I think some people are going to feel justified in saying you know, she took a bit of an easy way out because she wasn't feeling 100%, but could have fought. And some other ones are going to say, no, 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 she probably had a severe uh, affliction. And um, you're going to make your own mind up. You're going to make your own mind up on this one. I'm just telling you how I feel, but goddamn, this chair. <sighs> All right. Everyone says It was an objectively lame pullout, not saying I'd fight or even leave the house with her illness. But she's an elite athlete and her standards are what her peers do not want. Excuse me. And her standards are what her peers do not what fans could do. I don't know what that means. And I think it's safe to say most fighters would have fought and a lot would have fought with worse. Probably. You might be able to find fighters who could fight with worse. You know, I I saw someone bring up Justin Gaethje. Like, Justin Gaethje would do it. Well, it's probably true. Um, Then again, Justin Gaethje has been a guy who's like, I don't care about brain damage. It's like, well, I don't know that he's the standard of self-care. But... Okay, I think there's a point to be made. Have guys fought with worse, guys or girls, whatever. When I say guys, have they fought with worse? Probably. Um, Have they fought with worse and won? Probably. And I don't mean at the regional level. I mean inside the UFC level. Um, Yes, there probably is a precedent for people doing that. But in the case, sinusitis, in the case of Amanda, Um, I think she probably felt like I've got this belt. If I lose it, I lose everything. Um, I lose the ability to be pushed to the top of cards. I lose the ability to potentially get pay-per-view points. I lose the ability to be, you know, front and center on the most important events, uh, at the very top of the events. I lose a lot and I don't really want to risk it for something when I'm not feeling great. And by great, it might've been really bad. Um, we just have no way to know. So ultimately everyone's going to make up their own mind and that's the risk she ran doing this you know that's the risk she ran she ran a risk saying okay if you want to pull out 100% your choice and potentially your reasons for doing that are tremendous but you have a unique kind of illness that can be both very very mild and potentially severe and pulling out at the last minute is not going to make fans happy and they're going to come to a lot of conclusions that you may not want them to so you took the you said i don't want to take the risk of pulling out excuse me, I don't want to take the risk of fighting under these conditions, okay? That's well, absolutely within her, her choice. But what you can't do is say, I'm now therefore going to try and dictate the way in which the public perceives this. Um, once you let that go, the public's going to take it and run with it however they want. And, you know, this is this is a, the cost she has to pay. But I think if she goes in there and she fights Shevchenko and she wins, uh, let's say in a relatively convincing fashion... I think mostly all will be forgiven, but yeah, I can understand why people were upset. I mean, I don't think I get it. Can you imagine? There was, I think, Mark Ramundi tweeted there was a woman from New Zealand who had traveled all the way here to see this and was like, you know, what have I done? Uh, I think it's a fair point, you know. Um, someone. uh, This is an interesting point. And I don't want to bring this up here. I'm not going to go over everything again. Um, a lot of people seem to think that A-side means more popular, and it doesn't. And here's why I want to go into this, because the A-side, B-side debate is a little bit stupid. We've probably spent more time on this than we ever needed to, I think in large part because there's been some disagreement about it, and there's been a little bit of ego about it as well. You know, How can it be that Connor's the B-side when he's the more popular fighter? I mean, there's no doubt he's the more popular fighter, but that's not really what A-side means. I mean, for example... Who was the A-side in Mayweather versus Canelo? I think you would all agree it's Mayweather, right? Mayweather wasn't more popular than Canelo. Um, He had done more on pay-per-view by that point, but almost all of the same arguments apply. Canelo was the one who had the giant fan base who showed up. People were rallying around and loved. and Trust me, he was the harder interview to get that week. Um, I didn't get one with Canelo. I got one with Floyd that week you know canella was by far the more popular one but that's not what a side means as polimel had pointed out um a side is more of a business status right look uh it's mayweather versus mcgregor it's mayweather promotions who's doing all the credentialing um floyd came in with the grand entrance second like they would come to the ring it's always the champion the, the bigger side that comes in second he gets the last word the way the conference was arranged was arranged in a way to dial uh Floyd up and dial Connor down now I think Connor will make some adjustments today in Toronto so I'm very curious to see how that goes here's my point ultimately you know look it is kind of a stupid debate but the only reason why it's not entirely stupid was yesterday I saw a lot of fans I think understandably a little bit upset about how Connor had his mic cut and you know he didn't get a chance to have this one-on-one with these guys not one-on-one but it's back and forth you know And that's by design, guys. That's by design because Floyd, I said it before, I'll say it again. He does not take chances. He does not take chances. He puts everything in his favor. And you could say, well, that's chicken shit, and I don't like it, and it's cowardly. It might be all those things, but it's a thing. You can like it or you can not like it, but it exists. And um, yesterday was an illumination of the, the power disparity. Floyd is not as popular as Connor. He's not, he's just not, you can hear it, he's not. But Floyd is, I mean, what is the fight here, right? To say he's not as popular, what does that mean? Connor's fighting a non-pop, a not as popular guy? Well then why is it so big? The reason why it's so big is that Floyd is an institution. Floyd is this incredible boxing institution. He is the most celebrated, richest, uh, most successful boxer, certainly of our generation promotionally, and promotionally ever guy who is in charge of the the event i mean it's i I had to apply credentials through mayweather promotions that's who's the one in charge of this they're the ones who are structuring all of this so the reason why floyd is the a-side is for those reasons and that's why connor had those problems with his mic being cut and floyd getting the last word and there's all these rules about who's where and that's why floyd's going to get a bigger cut of the purse that's why Floyd's going to get gate concession, a gate and concessions, and closed circuit and pay per view, and I'm sure Connor's going to get some of that as well. But this should have been this should have been that moment where you see, yes, who's the A, who's the B. Some of this just gets a little ridiculous, except when you see who's in control of this event. This is a Mayweather event that we are all guests at, and that sucks, and that's annoying. And those pressers, as you can see, are stupid. Uh, but that's the reality. Floyd does not do business 50-50 ever, ever. It doesn't happen. And I hate that fact, and you hate that fact. We all hate that fact. But whether we hate it or we don't, it's a fact. So everyone being like, Connor's more popular, there's no argument. But that was the same thing with Canelo. And Canelo has something called Canelo Promotions, too, or something. I don't know how big of a deal it is, but... Um, it's not It's not a function of popularity. It's a function of who is the one in control, who is the one dictating the terms. And Floyd is not as popular anymore. The guy's 40. Of course he's not as popular. Connor's 28. Um, but he's an institution. And so what makes this work is you have this incredibly popular challenger for popular against this hated but ever-present incredibly powerful institution this is the hero of the video game this is the boss right so that's how this works Connor's mental game about nate diaz hi luke you've talked about connor's mental games and what effect they have on his opponents like it probably had a big effect on jose Alda, but there are some questions related to connor's mental warfare and nate diaz do you think connor's trash talk and mental warfare had any effect on nate at either 196 or 202 Probably not a whole lot on Nate Diaz, but I don't, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. If Nate had to go on a world tour similar to Aldo, it would have it affected him like Aldo. Yes. I mean, poor Aldo got tortured on that thing, you know, and I was resistant to the idea that this would matter in the end. And it turned out it mattered, you know, to a pretty significant extent. Um, general thoughts on Connor's mental game and Nate. Connor's mental game is solid as a rock. Uh, Nate seems, I don't know if completely immune from it, but largely immune. Um, yeah. I uh, Beat him because he was better the second time. Certainly better on that night. I know there's some dispute about the score. I, I, I had it for Connor, but, um, but I, I mean, it probably bothers him a little bit, but Mm, it didn't didn't get to them like Aldo, but the buildup for the first one was shorter. And the second one, the Diaz brothers don't play the same kind of games. They're not quite as bothered by it. So probably, I mean, I'm sure Connor gets in the, under everyone's skin who he's fighting a little bit, but I don't think it had tremendous impact on the Diaz's. I think those guys are, you know, I'm not saying they're Connor's equals, but they're, the magic doesn't quite work on them uh, as much anyway. Um. Yeah, I got this platform here, so I'll bring this up. Well, why didn't the Diaz brothers make the show? Um, someone says, by the way, Connor's mental game is overrated and his fighting skills are underrated. There's a little bit of truth to that. I think there's a lot of focus on Connor's mental game and a lack of focus on his skills, but I think both are actually pretty good. Um, but the Diaz brothers, I'll just make this quick. Uh, so after all that nonsense happened and I was dejected, actually, uh, Nate Diaz reached out to me personally and was like, hey, let's meet up. So I said, okay. Uh, And we met up, and he was incredibly friendly and uh, explained his situation. I know a lot of times people are like, the Diaz brothers do something, and then people come out afterwards and say it's not their fault, and everyone's like, how can that be? He had a pretty good argument for it. Um, So let me just say this. Nate Diaz is an absolutely stand-up guy. Uh, I really appreciated him taking the time to speak with me. It was funny. He gave me his, his phone number, and he goes, uh, I, was like, I was like, all right, what's your phone number? And I'm like plugging it into my phone. He's like, 209. You know, it was just funny to hear him say 209. Um, and we spoke to his manager, and his manager was not the one we were working with. We were working with one of Nick's people. The funny thing about it was we were working with one of Nick's people just to get a phone call. And that their guy was the one who was like, well, if you're going to be in Vegas, let's just get him in studio. Let's get both brothers in studio. we were like, okay, all right, well, if you're offering, sure. Uh, and I ended up speaking with Nick, Nick's got a lot of different guys around him. Um, I ended up speaking with his most central manager after the fact, we were working with one of his other guys who he was working with, who is, I wouldn't trust to water my plants on time, uh, total clown shoe. And, you know, I don't know how much Nick really, I don't know how much this guy properly communicated to Nick what he needed to do. I haven't had a chance to speak to Nick, but I, I would bet based on dealing with what I've dealt with, with this guy now, um, I'm perfectly willing to believe that. I know Nate had nothing to do with it. I'm perfectly willing to believe that Nick didn't either. But if I'm Nick, I would have some serious questions about who I keep in my inner circle at this point. All right. Good question. What is this? Who's hitting me up? They calling me. Job versus Malinaji. Right now, I'm really enjoying the pre and post fight shows with the Magic Man and Big Brown. You can tell they're having some fun. I agree. Having been a diehard boxing convert to MMA, it was refreshing to finally hear an actual boxing expert and analyst break down their side. Who wins this round? and what are shab and Malinagi's keys to victory in, in toronto well i didn't see the post fight one cuz i went live on my show yesterday i did see the pre fight stuff um, you know look first of all and i said this to him publicly i'm absolutely thrilled for brendan shab i think he's a very talented guy who hasn't had a lot of opportunities before and now has you know post retirement i should say and uh, and it's taken off like a rocket man you want to look at you want to see what a successful career looks like look at brendan shabs that's what it looks like. My, my career is more like the, the little engine that might. I mean, he took off like a rocket, you know? So uh, if you want to picture like, what does it mean to succeed in media? Just follow what he's been up to because it will tell you that's, that's, that's what it's supposed to look like. That's the pace of escalation it's supposed to have. These are the kinds of opportunities that are supposed to reveal themselves. And I know some of his haters think it's happened by accident. And look, not everyone is going to be appealing to everybody not not everyone likes Brendan everyone likes me um not everyone not everyone likes Ariel not everybody likes everybody but um you know I don't think his success is personally accidental that said and I've told him this on a number of different occasions I don't agree with him on any of this stuff about me with a rigor not any of it but there's a there's a there's a fairly large portion of of non-overlap in terms of our belief about this one but so you're asking me, who do I think had the better arguments? Well, I think Paulie Malignaggi had the better arguments because I'm more inclined to agree with them. But I, I, let me make a point about Brendan Schaub on this show because I've, I've seen some of the boxing crowd get in on this. The boxing crowd has come up and they've said things like, you MMA guys, including your fighters, you don't understand boxing. And we're not speaking about Schaub directly here, just generally the community. And I think they're right. You know, I think they, we, I, Do I think the MMA community knows boxing better than the boxing community? I don't, right? And I know for sure they don't know MMA as well as we do. Um, but I also think and I made this point as well. I don't think they know who they're dealing with in Conor. I don't think they have the first clue. I don't I don't they don't they don't get that at all. They don't they don't know who they're dealing with. Um, and I think that's true as well. And so like, you know, people like, "Oh, Brendan's so pro McGregor and this that and the other." It's like, "Look, I don't agree with Brendan on this particular issue. There's lots we do agree on. This is one I don't." But what is Showtime supposed to do? Just have a bunch of people up there who say McGregor has no chance? (laughs) What's the point of that? You know, you've got a guy in Brendan Schaub who, as I mentioned before, his career has taken off like a effing rocket, and he is making, I think, probably the best arguments that one can make uh, about McGregor's chances in this context. He's a guy who's fought MMA. Uh, He has some boxing experience. professional, but um, he's not completely um, clueless about it uh, and um, is not a boxing hater by any stretch of the imagination. He's going to plead the case for this side of the argument. And they're trying to, um, you know, and maybe you feel like it's dishonest. You know, again, I don't agree because you're getting Paulie up there, but they're they're trying to have somebody up there who can plead the case. That's what this is about. There's one side. There's another. Here's the arguments for both sides. Um it's not a news organization where it's the view from nowhere issue this is this is them trying to you know give fight fans what they're looking for so i completely get it and you know great minds think alike but reasonable people can disagree so um i'm inclined to side with paulie but what if brendan's right about all this <laughs> you know i mean you think his career is taken off now if he is right about this and that mcgregor let's say wins or that you know chaos of an under four or let's say wins you know five rounds or something right dude's gonna look like a genius he's gonna look like a genius and everyone thinks they know everything in combat sports and everyone thinks that now do they know everything they think no one else knows anything it's a big mistake to make so you don't have to agree with Paulie Malinagi and you don't have to agree with Brendan but um but I understand why he's there I think he's doing a good job of, of the reason why he's there And let's see how it goes. Maybe Brendan's on to something, you know? I don't think so. I don't, again, this is not how I see things, but the hell do I know? My favorite part of that was after Shab made another outrageous claim. He glanced at Mara, who then replied, Hey, don't look at me to back you up, buddy. (laughs) I didn't hear that. That's funny, though. Yeah, Morrow's come out decidedly, I think, of, you know, McGregor's basically got no chance. Um, But, not no chance, but uh, I think that's probably right. Floyd versus Connor presser. Who won and why? Uh, Connor seemed a bit uncomfortable in Floyd's world. First time in a while, Connor wasn't in control of proceedings. What do you make of it? Do you see the actual fight differently in any way after their first presser? Well, even Mayweather said yesterday, it doesn't really matter what happens today. It just matters on August 26th. We are used to seeing McGregor run over opposition and humiliate them during pressers. So we connect that to the outcome. Um, I don't think in, I mean, does Conor McGregor look intimidated to you? He don't look intimidated to me. You know, he looks absolutely. I mean that he, he looks to me like he knows he's earned this, that he's done, uh, everything that he was supposed to, to be here, that this is entirely what is supposed to be happening, that this is everything he saw happening, which to an extent is kind of interesting. And, uh, uh you know, whatever happens in Toronto or New York or whatever, um, even if he gets muted all three times, and I have a hard time believing that he's not gonna get he's not gonna get a little bit of glory either today or tomorrow or in London. But um he doesn't look intimidated to me at all. So people are like, oh, who won? Well, okay. You didn't see vintage Connor and Floyd was hogging everything. So in that sense, you know, Floyd looked like he didn't get traumatized, you know. Um, so nobody won. Like, I don't like, like for sure, Connor didn't win, but I don't really feel like Floyd won because the I mean, Floyd doesn't play with a level playing field ever, ever. It's not how he works, not and he never has least sort of in the money, area. um, in his favor. And so, in that sense, maybe he won, but like who like here's the thing that stood out to me with a with an unlevel playing field there were some just structural advantages that that Mayweather had speaking last entering second huge entourage that kind of thing um you know a presser that's on terms that favor him and not Connor um and not doing a press conference together right they had they speak to the media separately that kind of thing um correct me if I'm wrong when canelo and mayweather did their tour i believe they were in the same room together and no one just bothered them well they didn't bother each other i should say you know floyd and connor aren't exactly doing that but who's the better verbal battler pound for pound like pound for pound who's better it's it's connor like by a mile so if you mute him literally if you mute him and if you structure it in a way where he can only speak on terms that don't that do not do a whole lot for him, uh, I guess Floyd can come out ahead. But number one, I don't think anyone's confused that Floyd's working on uneven terms here. And two, the reason why it matters in UFC context when Conor does this is because he just absolutely humiliates and tortures these guys to the point where it alters how they compete. I don't think it's going to alter how... If, if Okay, I should say this. If Toronto and New York and London are basically how LA went, I don't think it's going to alter how either competes. But I also don't think I mean Connor does not look in any way, shape, or form intimidated. Not at all. So whether he wins or he loses, unless something happens between now and you know, London, um, neither guy really wins. It's just that Floyd avoids getting cut to fish bait, which is some kind of spin, I guess. Can offered offer to fight on UFC 213? or anything else, as a Bayern fan, I hope we can finally share some joy about Hamas Rodriguez joining the German team. Well, I'm happy for Hamas. I am very grateful for the, the wisdom of Carlo Ancelotti. I thought he was a great steward of the shield in Madrid. But... um Fuck Bayern. <laughs> I mean, I hope Hamas does well, but if we see Hamas and Bayern in a, you know, a Champions League, I hope absolutely nothing but terrible, terrible things for all of you. But I hope he scores or something. I don't know. I'm conflicted. Uh, out of all the chaos at UFC 213, what baffled me the most was Joanna's offer to fight Valentina. Really baffled you? Initially, I thought it was just a shrewd publicity move as she knew that the Nevada Athletic Commission would not allow it. However, every report I've seen indicates that she was pushing for the fight hard. She's been pretty adamant in interviews that she was serious about her offer. So, do you think she was serious about her offer? I think if it really had materialized, she probably would have taken it. So, yes. And do you feel that the UFC would should have rejected the offer, even if it had been a possible, even if it had been possible, as it seems insane to risk Joanna's current undefeated streak and health in a last minute fight? with someone two weight classes or whatever. Well, more like one weight class, but I know what you mean, not 125, 135. Um, it makes sense not to do it. And the reason why is because you do want to make that fight, but you want to make that under ideal conditions. It was before, and Valentina has won all three. <clears throat> now they were in Muay Thai, they were not in um, MMA. MMA might be different, I guess we'll see. But you want them to meet at 125, you want to promote that, right? You want to you have that where you're not just blowing it because you need a like a literal last minute savior, you know. I completely appreciate, and I think you guys all do as well, the guts that Yolanda Chan has. I mean, she's obviously, you know, she's a savage, uh, and I come, I have nothing but the deepest admiration for that. We are lucky to have her, but you don't want to. I mean, would it, at the very last second is that going to add pay per view buys? Probably not. And then if she fights, and as you mentioned, she gets hurt. What are you gonna do about that? Then it's four fights in a row, or four fights that Valentina has the edge over her. You know, you want to do this on better terms. You want to do this at a weight class that makes sense. You want to have time to really set this one up and promote it and share it and be all about it. Uh, and that wouldn't allow you to do that here. So, you know, the Anderson Silver one was a little bit different because Anderson at USC 200 for Cormier. You know, uh, they had a little bit more time. They and they made it work. And the fight wasn't great, but um, he wasn't a champion and he's a little bit over the hill and it just kind of worked. This is a woman in her prime who's got, you know, guts, but that's a great fight that I think is going to happen one day. I would just like to see that under more, you know, more ideal terms, you know, and we know you want a professional. We can all see that Valentina is a professional. I feel like if they booked that fight, it, it would happen. You know, those guys would show up. Those ladies, excuse me, would show up on Fight Night. So let's do that and really enjoy it the right way. Let's not just grasp at the last minute to make something happen. Sometimes we just have to, as fans, we just have to take an L, and it sucks, but here we are. But, I mean, I don't think it was not for publicity. Like, I don't think it was some altruistic move. I mean, I'm sure she would have fought valiantly but you know she probably also thought she'd get some good run from it so and there's nothing wrong with that I come I support that 100% you know um tough 26 Lee Alvarez Poirier and Gaethje I like, was wondering what you think of the rumor surrounding tough 26 and the above fighters I mean to Gaethje who comes roaring out of the gate With maybe one of the best UFC debuts ever I mean McGregor's was pretty good but this was like a main event against the top five guys wasn't Marcus Brimage somewhere in Europe this was this was in Vegas T-Mobile arena top five guy or top six guy in the world and uh, main event and he just put on a fight for the ages and they want to now handcuff him to a reality show it's like I mean come on come on i mean you can't be serious uh i get that they need tough and i get that they have a duty to fill with that and i get that believe it or not because of dvr and they're on a low-rated network relatively speaking that there's still value to the ultimate fighter but golly this guy i mean that was a not quite a star making performance but pretty close and now you want to bury him on a reality show and keep a fight from being made as a i mean God, please. Can we just have rotating coaches who come in for a week or something? Do we I mean Oh, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Have Gaethje compete. Get him back out there in the octagon again. That is where he's going to be a star. He's not going to be you are not going to appreciably add to his star power on the Ultimate Fighter. I fundamentally do not believe that. And, you know, whatever rivalry he's going to have doesn't matter. He, As you can see, if you give him the right opponent, and Michael Johnson was the right opponent, it turned out great matchmaking on the part of UFC. He'll give you everything you want. He'll give you everything you need. Um, Amazing that they would even consider this, you know. Let's take this guy who's about to take off like a rocket and bury him. <sighs> Come on, fellas. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Musasi to Bellator. Hi, Luke. Is Gagard Musasi the biggest free agent signing Bellator has made? Probably. Probably. I thought the Rory one has a little bit more upside um, given his age and the way they can make around him and uh, given the weight class. Um, it, seemed, it seemed like an overall maybe potentially more lucrative long-term acquisition, but if you're asking, like, you know, who's the highest-ranked guy that they brought over at the time? I believe the answer is Musasi. It's a huge coup for them, man, a huge coup. Now, it, it, let's be clear about this, um, and um, shout-outs to face on Twitter, John Nash, who has repeatedly noted that, uh, you know, I believe even with this move, 84% of the top talent in MMA is still in the UFC. So, you know, this is not... A game changer in that sense, however, it is worth noting. What is this? Yeah, maybe. Uh, it is worth observing anyway that, um, um, that this is big for a number of reasons. Number one, what does it say that the UFC would let a guy like this go? All right, what does that say? It doesn't say a lot of good. Um, it would say that, to me, it looks like they are cost-cutting to a potentially um, self-inflicting wound degree, right? I mean, that's really what this comes down to. They didn't want to pay him. They were trying to say, well, we'll pay. The argument was apparently because he was on aerial show as well as mine, and I had his manager on yesterday to get a little more explanation. And, and what you basically hear is that they wanted to pay him contingent upon becoming champion. And that he felt, you know, 50 fights in, I don't need to be doing it anymore. And given the cards he's been on and where he's headlined and what continents and what kind of fan bases he appeals to, he didn't want to do that anymore. And, of course, now with Bellator, it's guaranteed money. It's no show with split uh, uh, at all. And, of course, you've heard his comments that have been not in any way disguised about his disdain for Reebok, so there's that as well. So um, there's a lot of moving pieces here um, in regards to that. Um, that's one component. The other component here is what does it do for Bellator in signing a guy like this? Now, to what extent are they going to be burdened and have to do more pay-per-views to pay guys like this? So consider that, right? And there's no there's no free lunch. The more of these guys they sign, the more pay-per-views they're going to do. So that's one thing to consider. But now that a guy like Musasi went over there and a guy like Rory, right? And of course, like Benson before him and, and you can name some others as well, Um, We'll see if Frank Mir goes over there, for example. Boy, Nelson went over there. You guys know the list. But a guy like Musasi, right, 31 years old, this is probably the best he's ever looked, incredible win streak in the UFC, and they didn't re-sign him. Hmm. Um, Who else might be motivated to go as a consequence of how Musasi left? So there could be this, like, network effect where, this domino fell but then a bunch of other ones fall as a consequence i don't know how likely that is we can debate about it but it certainly seems rational and reasonable to conclude that if a guy who is as highly ranked and as good as musasi is willing to join another organization in that moment um in his prime this is not a guy who was well past it this is not a guy who won a title and then lost it and this is the other side of things he was poised to get one um or, you know, be close to one anyway. If that guy wants to leave, that's that's a problem for you. And that might encourage uh, everyone else to leave as well. The only thing I would say is, again, the more these guys that Bellator signs, the more pay-per-views they're going to do. And don't be confused. The UFC still has this on lock. They absolutely still have this on lock. So, uh, but it's a great signing for Bellator, man. A really, really good one. And he said he might fight a light heavyweight. He might fight Rory McDonald. Um, I'd be happy. Yeah those middleweight it's hard to see who who's going to give much of a run but I guess stranger things have happened right someone says I still think it's Roy McDonald in terms of name recognition and position within the sport just my useless two cents I think you can make a strong argument for it I think you, <laughs> I think you can make again for all the other reasons that like, you know 27 years old and what it means for Canada and things like that sure I mean it's, it's obviously they're you know 1A 1B or something right they're they're, they're both a pretty big deal your reaction to Helwani getting snubbed by Dana from the Showtime gig. What happened? Is there a more specific backstory, or is it just Dana's general dislike of Helwani? Well, I don't know. I have not spoken to Ariel. I texted him a measure of support. He thanked me, I offered him to come on my show, but I think he wants to save it, quite understandably, for... Uh, I don't know if we'll talk about this on The Beat on Thursday, but I suspect it will come up on the MMA Hour on Monday, so tune into the MMA Hour on Monday, but... Um, you know, I don't know, I'm not Dana, I don't quite understand it. It's obviously petty and personal. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not going to say this is a good thing, because it's not a good thing. Um, but the last time they did this, right, when they made, when they threw him out of 199 and I can't say much about this, because this is like internal, you know, internal politics, but um, I'll just say this. Number one, watch the MMA hour on Monday, where I'm sure Ariel will address this. That's the first thing I would encourage you to do. And number two, when they did this at UFC 199 and they threw him out and they banned him for life, did they not? Did they not realize they made him a bigger star than ever? Like, this was discussed on my morning radio show here in DC, and he was on Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen and crying out loud rachel nichols is tweeting about it and richard deitch and everybody like it it led to the formation of the MMA journalists association like i mean i know it must have felt good to somebody you don't like but the way in which they did it it only made him a bigger star (laughs) he didn't get his career didn't flag from that it went it went up uh and so i don't know I don't think when they do this, I don't think they're doing what they think they're doing. Now, the difference for this one is that he was still credentialed to go, so he wasn't like completely removed from the event. So in the end, I don't know if this will have exactly the same consequences as the last time. But they keep trying to do bad things to him. And, you know, you get it. You see what they're trying to do. But all they end up doing is just martyring him and just turn him into a bigger celebrity every time. What happened when he went to that UFC 200 press conference after the 1-9? He got a standing ovation from the fans. Like, what is it you think you're doing? You're, I mean, I'm not saying you're helping him exactly because I'm sure he wanted to be on those broadcasts. I'm not saying there's no cost that's going to be paid here, but, you know, you, you whack the mole one side, it comes up the other one, but this time it comes up even bigger. Uh, so in the end, you know, I think um, obviously he's... You know, he's the most popular media figure we have in the sport, and I think he'll be just fine, and it's ridiculous that this has even happened to him. But if I'm the UFC, I'm rethinking the strategy a little bit going forward because they think they're hurting him, and they're hurting him in the sense that he lost his showtime opportunity, but they're not hurting him in the larger sense of his star power, which will lead to more opportunity, right? (laughs) He may have lost this one, but now he becomes even more popular, and then there might be more that come his way. So, and maybe that, maybe the next one the UFC has no control over. The other thing I would say is I'm a little, I'll save the rest for my radio show because I'm, I'm on company time here. I don't want to say anymore, but that's, that's, that's my general view of it is I feel very bad for him and it's ridiculous, but I don't think UFC is doing to him what they think they're doing to him. Uh, What is the MMJA? This seems like a possibility for the MMA Journalist Association to show their teeth if there are any teeth. Yeah, I have not joined yet. I'm very curious to see what they do about this, if anything. Also, why was Dana even there? If it's a Showtime Mayweather and McGregor promotion, why is Dana there on stage being so involved? This is quite common in boxing. Common in boxing. So um, if there was a Gary Shaw fighter... Versus a Dan Goosen fighter and they were squaring off on the dais. And I know MMA fans can't understand this, and nor should they. Let me give it, let me give a shout out to MMA fans. If you went yesterday to that press conference and you booed when the head of MGM Resorts or whatever the hell that guy was got up there and spoke, which by the way, at boxing press conferences is so common. You are an American hero. You don't even have to be American. You could be Irish. You could be Spanish. You could be Mexican. You could be whatever the hell you are. If you're an MMA fan and you showed up there, you are absolutely a patriot of the highest order because boxing press conferences are stupid. They've been stupid since I've been going to them, and I've been like, what is happening here? Uh, I went to the... <laughs> when when uh, Amir Khan fought Lamont Peterson here, they had a member of, you know, like not even the ambassador from England. They had like, you know, Jesus God, who was this guy? Uh, like a low-level diplomat from the embassy come over and be like, you know, everyone in the UK is so proud of you, Amir. And I'm like, I'm sure they are. That's cool. Can we get on? Like, you know, remember that? Remember that sign from um, the Dave Chappelle show? Yo, wrap it up, B. You see the sign? <laughs> wrap it up like that's how in my mind i was just thinking that the whole time this was guys guys let me be clear about this this was tame by comparison i have been at these pressers where there are two different promoters working together one promoter speaks then that fighter's manager speaks then that fighter's i'm not kidding trainer speaks and i've seen this too then that fighter's brother speaks and they're all on the dais and then the fighter gets up there and says you know 30 seconds of, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then they do it again on the other side. I have seen it where a guy's pastor got up there. I have, I, I've seen everything. This was, all it was, was, you know, uh, Showtime speaking, uh, Stephen Espinosa on behalf and then Leonard LB quite briefly. And then the reason why they had Dana probably come is because Dana, I don't think, he, the UFC is not promoting this. But he is sort of the promotional figure centered around Connor. I think he they want they want him as part of this to help promote the contest generally, both with his popularity and his um, and his promotional resources. So that's the way it would normally work. If you had Gary Shaw and Don King, Gary and Don would both be on stage, and they would both be talking to you eventually. This is kind of how that works. And you should thank Dana, because what did Dana say? Nothing. He got up right there and said, Ladies and gentlemen, he turned. I mean, he turned into, you know, his face as red as I thought it was. I honestly thought his head was going to explode. And he gets up there and says, The notorious reigning defending lightweight champion, Conor McGregor. That's it. Dana did it right. That's how it should be done. But I can tell you, these can get so much worse. So much worse. So count your lucky stars that, as bad as it has been, that. (laughs) <laughs> by boxing standards not that big a deal not that big a deal that's funny as hell though man I was when I heard the MMA fans booing when that MGM guy got up there I was like god bless every one of you usually when you boo it drives me crazy but today ladies and gentlemen your booing instincts served in the most exquisite of purposes I love all of you today that was such a great thing Um jessica i during the ufc 213 mess i didn't see anyone really raising the possibility of having i fight shepchenko as her fight with lad had also been cancelled the day before was it not a possibility even though she had just made weight as well and had undergone the medicals or was it more of a choice by ufc and valentina yeah i don't think there was a lot of interest in that one again very last minute i think maybe she had you know gone drinking the day after or something i don't know if she was ready i think dana white had addressed that Specifically at the post five press conference, either was a lack of UFC interest or a lack of eye interest, or there was just not a lot of momentum behind that. And you know, that's fine. You really want your main event to be just guy versus Valentina Shevchenko? What would that get you? So, this is interesting. This is a good question promotional malpractice to not have UFC-style Q&A at the Maymac presser. Those speeches are dull in comparison. They are dull on purpose. Here is I, what I think Floyd's calculation is. Floyd is going to ham it up, like you saw, pulling out the check, and, you know, you're going to go out one or two ways, on your back or on your face, and uh, whatever else he said that was inane and ridiculous. You know, whether, <laughs> oh, my favorite was, um, you know, we can do it with four-ounce gloves. Floyd, please stop. Just stop, Floyd. Or uh, whether it's a ring or it's an octagon, you know, I'm a warrior, Floyd. Buddy, you know, as a fighter, I do respect you to, to an enormous degree. Um, we're all here basically because of Floyd. And we're here because of Connor. But again, it's the institution of Floyd that we're trying to topple here. Uh, but stop. <laughs> you know you don't mean that. You never meant that. You don't mean that now. But here's my point. He's sort of acting up like this because he knows he has to do something to sell this. Old, not, not, not that it won't do well without it, but he knows that if he just completely tampons down on everything, like if he decided to do no media for this, um, he would potentially impact his sales. So he knows that there's something to be done in terms of giving the crowd what they want. However, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, Floyd does not do business 50-50. Never, 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 never. That's not the way he works. He stacks the deck in his favor. So here's the calculation he's making. He is making based on what I saw in LA. And again, let's see what happens in Toronto. Could be crazy. But based on um, what we saw yesterday, the calculation is I can do enough of that, you know, getting in Connor's face, Connor getting in his face, and uh, Connor getting in a few good jabs, Floyd getting, you know, Floyd had a couple decent zings, you know, whatever. Um, and that'll be enough to not hurt the upper bound limit of what this might do. Now, what a lot of MMA fans want is the Connor show. You know, you, the, the these unstructured, unencumbered UFC pressers where Danny gets up there and says, all right, who's got the first question, right? Uh, that's what they want. And then Connor just goes and terrorizes everybody, you know, who gets in his way. Um, Floyd, Floyd is not a good person, but he's too smart for that, you know, so if Connor's challenge is, I'm guessing all of this stuff is contracted, and by the way, did anybody ask him yesterday? I didn't see it, I could be wrong, but did anybody ask him about the domestic violence stuff? Is Connor prohibited from talking about it? Now, maybe someone did, if they did, please, by all means, send me evidence of this, but I didn't see anything of it, so um, let me know, but I'm guessing Floyd thinks if we do enough of a little bit of a show, doing four cities, this will sell like hotcakes. And I don't have to expose myself to Connor. Floyd, fan, or Connor's fans are like, well, dude, you being exposed to Connor is what we want to see. Um, but the truth is, if all four pressers are like yesterday, aren't you still going to buy? Probably. Probably. I did media this morning. About uh, here in DC, I did like um, um, the, the number one radio show for men, 25 to 54, here in the city. They were asking about it. You know what I mean? So um, it's, you know, when you say promotional malpractice, you're asking, are we getting everything out of these that we could if we did it a different way? Um, or rather, are we getting everything out of this doing it this way? The answer is no, you're not. You're not getting everything out of this. Absolutely not. But, that's by design it's by design floyd is in control and this is, this is how floyd exercises it and it's annoying everything about floyd is annoying he he puts the pressers on his terms he wears terrible clothing he brags about you know incredibly dis, not not disgraceful but um you know he has no shame and then he goes in there now and fights in a way that is defense first, staying out of the way, tag you when I can, make you freeze when I can. Got ten seconds left. Win by a punch and do it again. Like the, the one thing I'm concerned about here is like, look, you're asking me what my official prediction is. I'll, I'll say it now and I'll say it again. Um, if what we know about the world, if we have a, if our rational understanding of the world holds up, I don't really see a way that Mayweather loses. The question is, as Connor has shown previously. Are our assumptions about the world correct? I think it'll look probably something like a Metamorph spout where you will see some interesting wrinkles from a guy coming from MMA over to boxing. But over time, as the match in, uh, proceeds, I just don't really see a way at this point where he gets a their arena. But he's a strong starter. If Floyd's not. Uh, he's bigger, right? So first four rounds might be interesting. But you know, if we're at the eighth or ninth round, I just have a hard time seeing how how it could be different, but look, we'll see, right? This is going to be crazy. Um, that's sort of my official prediction for this, and that's that's the way I have uh, ultimately viewed it, but um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. I don't know what the hell I was talking about. Someone goes, by the way, who's the easy work? Yeah, that was a decent zing. Um, God, what the fuck was I talking about? I don't remember. All right. The cutting of the mic. What a dud decision. McGregor should be bring a megaphone today or just use the human megaphone, Dana, to yell out his words. That would be good. That would be good. Uh, right. He needs to come up with some kind of strategy to get around this. That's That's the key. That's the issue here because you're constrained so if you're going to be in these constraints how do you work in that and still get your job done how do you how do you accomplish that mission that's what he's up against Floyd doesn't take risks man someone says I thought Mayweather was a fight promoter he is he seems like purely a promoter for himself he is He's gonna promote his guys. It's not like Mayweather Promotions goes out there and puts on huge fights independent of Floyd. They put on some. Um Floyd was there for the um God, uh the Broner Theophane fight. I think he was promoting Theophane. Right? Ashley Theophane here in DC. Um, he was there for that. You know, that's a decent sized fight. I think they aired on Spike. Um, he does stuff like that for PBC, but mm-mm. No one says, Luke, you keep calling Mayweather smart, but that can't be right since he can't read, right? Uh, well, I would not underestimate. Scholastic preparation is not the same thing as intelligence. So, I It's tempting to really want to insult Floyd because he's so awful, but it's a mistake to underestimate him. It's a mistake to underestimate Connor, of course, but you know Floyd's not here by accident, y'all. Brendan Schaub, the boxing expert, obviously he's there to fill a role, quote unquote, the case for Connor. Right, but I don't think he's doing a, I don't think he's doing a Skip Bayless thing. I think he's trying to make an earnest argument. But when he sits next to Malinagi, an actual boxing expert, and makes it sound like Connor's a ten to one favorite, he just makes a fool out of himself. What do you make of Schaub's performance? I don't, again, I didn't see the post presser stuff, so I don't know. Um, I just think a lot of us don't really buy the case for Connor in this particular context. The only thing I would say is, um, and again, I, I mean, what do I want to say? I don't agree with Schaub here. I agree with Malinaji. And they're talking about boxing in a boxing context. It's not boxing in MMA context. So, I think, you know, who's got the harder job? The harder job is is Brendan's job, right? It's a very difficult case to make. Now, he might end up being 1,000% right, but that's it's a hard job to do, man. Like, you got to convince people that a guy who has no boxing fights is going to be the best defensive fighter of our generation. How are you going to do that? You know, that's hard. That's a very difficult one. And you might say, well, that might be so hard that you shouldn't try to do it. All right, but if you feel a certain way, you got to go after it, right? So... Um, I don't really mind that. I mean, look, who knows more about boxing, Brendan or Pauly? I would say Pauly. Who knows more about MMA? Because Paulie's not ignorant about MMA either. Uh, I would say Brendan, right? Pretty, pretty clear, and that's the case. The interesting thing that's really sort of illuminated this to me is, um, is and I know some people named some, some people out there, how many real deal experts in both boxing and MMA are there? Now, when I say experts, here's what I mean. I don't mean someone who merely understands the techniques involved to a, to a very deep degree. I mean people who also know the other players involved, and they know the business, and they know the history. right? I would not consider myself an MMA expert, but I would say I know a fair amount. And the reason why I have some reason to say that, I know some, is because I know a little bit of technique. I know a little bit of the history. I know a little bit of the players involved. I'm here covering it all the time. That gives me some basis by which to make some conclusions. Um, Now, imagine someone who knows more than me in this and then a same amount in boxing, right, at all the levels, not just someone who covers it as a journalist, not just someone who's a trainer in both, someone who really understands both sports from soup to nuts. How many people are there? The fact of the matter is there's just not many people. I'm sure there are some, right? I'm sure there are some. People have mentioned, you know, Holly Holm has won. Maybe that's a decent answer. Um, you know, um, Kevin O'Leary, as far as journalists go, is probably your best bet, right? But everyone's going to have some some gaps in that knowledge. It's just it's hard enough to understand boxing by itself, and it's hard enough to understand MMA by itself. It's very very hard to understand both worlds. And I think this fight has illuminated that the boxing crowd wants to say certain things to us that don't make sense to us because it clearly shows they don't know what they're talking about. And we are making a lot of mistakes talking to them um, about things that we don't not know. And so there's a lot of talking past each other. I, what I'm hoping is that the result, no matter what it is, um, helps us resolve some of these issues. That's my hope. Happy about Musasi and Bellator. Luke, are you more happy about Musasi being in a company where he'll get paid better and has a better rapport with the promoter or sad that we won't get to see him face Bobby Knuckles anytime soon, if ever? I'm not happy or sad about it. I'm not really a fan um, in the same way that you guys might be, uh, as I've talked about on previous. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying it's if you, as a journalist, I can't really, or a media figure generally, I can't. I don't get into the MMA for those kinds of same reasons. So, um, you know, look, I'm the same way as you guys. I'm probably a little bit all over the fence. Like, obviously, it's good that he's going to get more money. It's good that his money is guaranteed. Uh, it's good that he's going to be a promotional darling for them. Uh, But I'm a little bit sad that uh, you know some of these bigger fights, the him versus Rockhold that they that they offered to him at 215 or fight with potentially um, Sir Bobby of as I think Jed Mashu called him House Knuckles is not going to happen. You know that kind of sucks. But UFC didn't want to pay him what he wanted, so he had to go on. What can you do? They cowling me. What is this? Oh, did I finally get my credential? Yes. This email confirms your media credential for tomorrow's Mayweather versus McGregor press stop in Brooklyn, New York at the Barclays Center. All right. Gastelum versus Weidman. Can you do a breakdown? Nope. When the fight comes around, I shall do one. Uh, Oh, here real quickly. Luke, the UFC Contender Series. Did you catch the debut of the UFC Contender Series yesterday? I caught a couple of the fights. I was busy doing a longer show than I anticipated. Um, If so, how was your experience? Even if you didn't watch, how do you feel about the concept? As I've talked about before, I've done a long, long YouTube video about the concept on my personal channel. You can check that out. Um, I love the concept, right? And long story short is you need what I would call an Invicta for men, right? Your best content, if you're the UFC, where's it going to go? It's going to go where the money is. So where is the money? The money is on pay-per-view for the UFC and potentially in television rights, especially when the next deal comes up. It may not be what they want, but it'll probably be more than $100 million a year. So that's where your money is going to go, which means that's where your best fights are going to go. But that still leaves you with how you fill Fight Pass. Okay, some fights you're going to put on Fight Pass as part of the prelim card, and some fights you're going to put in there all in totality. But generally, your best content is going to go on pay-per-view, and it's going to go on um, um, television and television to get television rights money so you got to figure out something else to do and the way to do that is to make exclusive content where there are shows that air on fight pass you know titan or whatever but they don't have they don't have that connectivity to the ufc why, why does um why does invicta work and i'm told invicta stream numbers outside of the ufc are the best on on fight pass the reason why it works is because not only are those women very very talented and some of the best in the world but you know if they do well here they're going to end up here Right? There's, a, there's a connectivity there. You need that for men. You need exclusive fight pass programming for men, where if they do well here, they end up here. My only problem with it is, and apparently the Snoop cast was better than some said it was going to be, so I know there were some people like, oh, my God, the Snoop cast, the world's going to end. It turned out to be pretty good, as I, as I understand it. I didn't hear it, but I, I saw a lot of positive uh, comments about it. Um, the only issue for me is they got to get out of that, that, that tough gym. It felt like, I know they're trying to cut costs on this, But being in that Ultimate Fighter gym, it just felt like, hey, this is Ultimate Fighter without the show, and I don't think that that properly serves it. It needs to feel a little bit different, and I don't know what the answer to that is, you know, because you have to really keep your costs low, but just doing that because you own the space feels a little bit, uh, it feels a little bit um, old hat, you know. All right, let's go to the Twitter machine. If you guys have any questions at L Thomas news on Twitter, I shall go to them now. Let's do that. Uh, is it safe to say that Floyd has never fought anyone that is as vicious during promotion as Connor? Um, probably not as vicious, but Floyd doesn't appear to be rattled by it either. I know Floyd has fought some tough customers and has been in some, a lot of different situations. So, uh, so no, Connor's probably the most aggressive. But I don't know. In the end, will that really alter what he does? Like it had for other fighters. I guess we'll see what happens today. Right? Uh, is it just me, or did Floyd seem to get Connor pretty fired up? Never seen him look so uncomfortable up there. Eh, I don't know about that. Should Kane take a return fight before fighting for the belt? I would think so. If yes, would you be opposed if it was against Jerry OF face? Uh, I wouldn't want to put a beating on him that bad. Why would they want to cut Connor's mic easy? Are they more concerned with protecting Floyd than selling pay per views? I don't think they feel like they're making a trade off. I don't think they feel like they're making a trade off. If they completely muted him to the point where you were like shocked at the, you know, Connor had no exposure whatsoever, that might dampen sales. But Connor is still saying enough and being seen enough to do media, to be on the front page of of websites and everything else. Um they don't they want to turn him from a 10 to a 7. They want to turn Mayweather from a 7 to a 10. And you can see that's an imbalance. That's exactly what they're going for because they believe even with that imbalance, they'll still get people to sell and to buy, rather. It sucks to it sucks to admit, but this Mayweather's world, man. We're just guessing it it's because that's always how it's been. Always how it's gonna be. Do you think Carl Douglas was serious? Was everyone actually fighting kung fu? I mean, come on, really. Uh, interesting. The banners at yesterday's presser had McGregor Sports Entertainment printed on them, and not UFC. I am very apparently UFC is acting neither as his manager nor his promoter here. So I don't know what their agreement is. I don't know what I don't know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, the McGregor Sports Entertainment one has caught my attention. I want to know more about that. That that to me seems like a very big deal. Uh, I did not watch the premiere of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, but did you? Should I be watching? Yes. What are your favorite Run the Jewels songs? Well, the title song, Run the Jewels. um, Get It is a big one. Sea Legs is often the same album. Um, Yeah, it was my top three. Do we have to keep calling Floyd arguably the goat? No credible boxing historian considers him even close. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that no credible boxing historian considers him close, but what I would say is that um, he is the best fighter of this generation. He's not the best fighter of all time, but clearly of this era, there's no one better. Did they screw up Connor's entrance at the press conference? Seemed awkward when Connor was walking around dancing. That was intentional. That was absolutely intentional. You go on the stage first. You wait there for the show to arrive. Now, in reality, everyone was there to see Connor, but that's what Floyd is. Guys, it's a Floyd Mayweather production. That's what this is. That's what it is, man. That is what it is. You're like, they're not treating Floyd the same as, or they're not treating Connor the same as Floyd by design, because they know you're still going to buy and they're going to mute him and promote him. And you can hate that. I don't like it. I would love to see Connor tear Floyd a new one. Floyd's a terrible person, but that's what's happening here. This is by design. Uh, will Floyd Sr. make his presence felt more after the back and forth with Connor that was caught on camera? I guess. Now, you guys know I was a big believer that the real verbal sparring was between Floyd Sr. and Conor. That I, I had said on the MMA beat, I was like, that's the show to watch and sure enough that's what played out but i got to say i got to give credit to connor connor had uh, uh took his lunch money um that wasn't he he handed him his ass and that was really kind of funny to see floyd senior i don't think floyd Sr. is used to going out there and not having anyone challenge him right like Freddie roach wouldn't say anything back you know uh connor's not playing that game so i'm not ready to count out senior just yet i think that old bastard probably has a few tricks up his sleeve but but uh round 1 whew, 10-8 10-8 connor Um, can you explain the difference in hand speeds of MMA boxing? Is there a big difference or is it similar? Um, well, in MMA, well, in boxing, you might see guys with bigger gloves, but they have honed their hand speed because their technique is so refined. right? They have worked on the most, uh, I mean, you just don't see Vanderlei Silva types in boxing go anywhere. right? Guys who have really clean, crisp technique, yes, their timing is good, but they have made such efficient motion that uh and they're athletic to you know if they're gonna you know excel to the top i mean a lot of these guys of course former olympians um their technique is so clean and their athleticism is so good because you know this comes they're they're, we're drawing from the world stage right you know what's canelo's next fight against the guy from kazakhstan right so you got mexico versus kazakhstan here i mean it's got a much it's got a much more a global participatory rate and so um you know there might be you know pound for pound it might be slowed relative to the MMA guys, in the sense that the MMA guys have smaller gloves on, less weight impacting them, but um, and uh, the, uh, the boxing guys might be doing it from shorter distances too, you know, uh, and the, and and the rhythm is different as well. And you see this rhythm difference in kickboxing as well, you know, touch, touch, touch will be a certain rhythm, and then they'll offset the rhythm with a hook or something like that, you know. Um, it's just a lot of different playing with rhythm and hand speed. But the hand speed is going to be, you know, whoever is just a quick athlete who has the ability to quickly get from A to B. It's just that with boxing, they have really, really, really clean economical motion. Um, they have very, very good timing, and they have very good sense of rhythm and how to apply that timing and speed. You know, And there's a lot of element of surprise too. Luke, I did not think McGregor was being racist at all. I agree. And I'm appalled at how many people gave him S. But when he was laying into Aldo, I heard not a peep from the media. Instead, we all applauded. I thought he was borderline with it with Aldo, but I didn't think he crossed the line either. They meant there's no racial tension. How can there be no racial tension in Ireland when there's no races? So Conor McGregor's comment wasn't racist as that's not part of public discourse. Right, but we're not in Ireland, y'all. Bienvenidos a los Estados Unidos. The rules are different here. Oh, we can talk this way to each other in Ireland. Well, okay. When you're in Ireland, you can do that. We're not in Ireland. Different rules here, gang. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you rank Floyd saying he'd fight CM in the octagon? You mean what are the chances of it? Zero. Come on, y'all. Floyd knows he can't. Zero. Uh, He knows Conor McGregor would kill him, right? Of course. Floyd is a is terrible, but he's not stupid. He's just saying that to get people worked up. What are the chances of Scott Coker getting both the Diaz brothers to fight in Bellator? Not, not good. I mean, they're both under contract with UFC, so well, somehow that changes. Who do you think will headline MSG in November? Edgar Holloway, GSP Woodley, or Jones versus Gus? I think GSP Woodley and probably Edgar Holloway. I think Edgar's looking for, or rather Holloway's looking for some bigger paydays. Uh, So these are repeats. Someone says uh, Connor fried Floyd senior so bad. His guys were pulling him away from media and refusing him to comment going forward. There's that. And it just went on way too long, but yeah, Connor killed him. Uh, did you see Floyd Mayweather senior crash? Yes, of course I did. Gold cup opinions. How about 16 year old Alfonso Davies? Three goals in two games. The gold cup is one of the saddest tournaments in soccer. Uh, any Concacaf tournament is just basura. You know, it's like Panama. <laughs> well, Costa Rica's is pretty good. The T- Los Ticos are pretty good, but uh, you know, it's like Panama's the U.S. They draw one-one. It's like, ugh. You know, Panama's the size of my neighborhood. You know, and they, they're tying our country is just sad because they're not. Neither team can really do much against any real, actually good team. And I wish it was different for the U.S. I'm obviously very happy about Christian Pulisic, but. You know, it, the best tournaments. is like you know the Conmebol tournament in South America, or not? I mean, they're, they're when when the um, God. What's the uh, what's the famous tournament I'm thinking of? Um, any Bowl tournament is is much better. I can't remember the one that's off the top of my head, but you know, when it's Chile and Argentina and Uruguay and Brazil and Colombia, that's a good tournament. You know, but it's like <laughs> Panama is going to fight curacao uh, is going to panama versus curacao french Guyana versus canada Ugh. do we know anything about mcgregor sports and entertainment is dana involved in this i don't want to speak out of turn so i don't know i don't know what the answer to that is to this a little bit here whose audience is showtime and mayweather relying on to buy this fight Whose audience is Showtime and Mayweather relying on to buy this fight? Boxing fans, MMA fans, and the curious fans in between. Uh, right? I think that's pretty fair, right? This tour is all places Conor is king. Yeah, he's the more popular guy. Someone saying, how do you define A-side and B-side? The A-side is the one who is the um, event priority. Now, you might say, well, Conor's more popular. Wouldn't that make him the more event priority? But look around. It's Mayweather-McGregor. It's the more powerful of the two. Um, Conor's going to enter that ring first. Mayweather's going to enter it second. At all these pressers, Conor will enter first. Mayweather will enter second. Conor will get the first word. Mayweather will get the last. It's the one who is controlling everything. That's the guy. And the guy here is, this wouldn't work if it was just a boxer as popular as Mayweather is today. It works because while the popularity has a pretty clear disparity, the reason why it works is because it's this guy who has this entire history built up. who was this giant figure in the sport, who, yes, popularity has waned, but um, has this enormous amount of uh, status, right? That is what he is trying to take from him. That's what makes it interesting. But the one in control, like you're like, why'd they cut their mic? Why wouldn't they cut their mic? It's Mayweather's show. It's not a 50-50 show. It's not Dana White and Leonard LRB presents. It's Floyd Mayweather presents. Like you go back and look at Mayweather versus Canelo. Look at all of the step and repeats before, on that one too. Mayweather, Canelo Promotions, and then whatever, MGM, whatever else it was. Who ran that show? Mayweather. I know I've been saying this to y'all since the day it was announced, and there was like this denial about it. It doesn't mean Connor, if you believe in Connor, this has nothing to do with whether he will or won't win. But I'm just trying to tell you the big ticket here the guy who's in charge, whose show is this? Who is this? Connor is the, the guy who is making it interesting in a way that is unique but the, the 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 wizard of oz here is floyd you can like it or you cannot like it but that's just the reality of it uh, is there any rumor on other fights on this may mac card yeah jayleon love it's going to be all of floyd's guys like jayleon love uh, maybe um, davis might be on this card uh, anybody on floyd's instagram who he takes to girl collection my god have you seen this he confirmed he owns this company I had to unfollow him. I just couldn't take it anymore. I followed uh, uh, Floyd. I I think I unfollowed both of them, but I definitely unfollowed Floyd recently because I just couldn't take it because both guys are just nauseating to me on social media. But Floyd... Connor's just nauseating because he's always like, I'm a ghost, you know, or some other goofy thing. But um, Floyd is just really appalling. You know, you went to jail, jail for domestic violence, and now... Uh, you're going to open up a strip club called Girl Collection. Ugh, God, how gross! Uh, yeah, I, don't, I mean, yuck, yuck is the answer. So I, I just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, what else are we saying here? Oh, and by the way, last thing on this, can we pl- can I call a moratorium on this? Because it's not it's not the Irish doing this; it's the Americans doing this. My American friends, please listen to me and listen to me now. Can you please stop doing the Fook jokes, the F-O-O-K jokes? Who the Fook is that guy? First of all, that's not even how Connor sounds. Number two, these are so played out that we have gotten into Chuck Norris jokes. You ever been to a party recently where someone tried to tell a Chuck Norris joke? You thought you were back in time and this guy was listening to Vanilla Ice or something. It's like, dude, this is the most played out thing I've ever... It was funny for five minutes. Hey, Fook, <laughs> Wasn't that funny? He said the F word differently. Uh, it's played out, and it's getting embarrassing. And I'm here to give you a public service announcement. You need to stop. It's not in my interest for you to stop. It's in your interest for you to stop. The fook joke thing is dead. Who the fook is that guy? Yes. Um, it, it is the guy telling bad jokes at a party. That's you. So please stop doing that, okay? Okay. Uncle Luke is here to help. All right. I have to go. I appreciate everyone tuning in. Um, You can subscribe to MMA Fighting below. Give the video a thumbs up. Share it all the way around. I will see you donkeys in New York. If you see me there, say hi. Don't be weird. I'll have good coverage for you. Let's see how Toronto goes. It's going to be interesting. Thank you guys so much for watching. And Until next time, for me and Barbas and everybody else here, stay frosty.